It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day, he's the best. Keith Stewart. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. Well, it's been a real busy week at golf. The PGA Tour is hosting their Super Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida. The Players' Championship is their flagship event, and the field is stronger than ever. You know, with a week like this, I needed a special guest to help break it all down. So Sirius XM PGA Tours, Chantel McCabe is here, and we'll do our very best to report it all and have some fun at the same time. All right, now give me the peppers. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's a lot going on in golf this week. We had the State of the Union Address by Jay Monahan, Hall of Fame inductions. We have the Players' Championship. The ladies are over in Southeast Asia again. This time they're in Thailand. Just so much going on in golf, and it really just couldn't be any better. That's for sure. And one of the reasons, well, you know what? It could be a little bit better. The weather's a little bit to be desired these days down here in Ponte Vedra Beach, and that's where I'm talking to you today, and my voice might sound a little funny because I'm not in the studio. We are recording this after the first round on Thursday afternoon because tomorrow afternoon on Friday afternoon, our usual spot, we got a lot going on, and we got to put all this in perspective because it's it's been... It's been pretty unbelievable down here, especially from a weather perspective. But the golf course, let me tell you something. I'm walking around. I haven't been to a major championship like this in a couple of years to see a facility like this. I think the last time was 2019 Bethpage Black for the PGA Championship. The the atmosphere, the pressure, the coaches, the fanfare. Uh, it's just it's unbelievable the spectacle that they're putting out this week, the PGA Tour. Congratulations to them and their staff and their team. I mean, it's magnificent. The golf course is absolutely magnificent. It is a shame that for 10 straight weeks, we have had great weather on the PGA Tour. And then all of a sudden, we get to their Super Bowl and it's it's rained out. It's, it's unbelievable. Today alone, I think we had five hours worth of delays. We had an hour delay to start the day. Then at about 11 a.m., we had about another three, four-hour delay. I, I, I don't know. I was, I was lost in the media center. It, it's just, it went on forever and ever. And it's the type of week where the PGA Tour tries to put everything into perspective. You know, Super Bowl week, you get that Roger Goodell kind of State of the Union address. And it's the same sort of thing here. Jay Monahan, commissioner of the PGA Tour, he spoke on Tuesday in the press room, and he had to cover all sorts of things like the Phil Mickelson and rival leagues. He talked about the, the state of the union here in the PGA Tour. And let me tell you something. Uh, there's no rising gas prices. At the end of the day, the PGA Tour couldn't be better. The top five men in the world are under 30 years old. So yeah, week after week, we have new winners. We have repeat winners. And Scotty Scheffler last week, we have young superstars that are teeing it up this week, like Patrick Cantlay, John Rahm, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland. Everyone's excited to see how this thing plays out because the fans are backed up to full capacity. And I can tell you, uh, in between all the raindrops, there are plenty of people around and having a good time here. There's no doubt about that. 
And in order to put all of this, as I mentioned, in perspective, I have a good friend of mine, Chantelle McCabe, Sirius XM host. She does PGA Tour Live. She does LPGA play-by-play commentary. I mean, she's everywhere in golf these days. And it's for that reason, um, having her on, I, she was hosting uh, Sirius XM PGA Tours preview and everything of the Hall of Fame induction ceremony from last night. Tiger Woods got inducted, uh, as well as a couple others. But Woods was the story. His daughter, Sam, did the introductions. Uh, I want to get into all that with Chantel. So I'm going to wait on that for just a couple of minutes. It's going to be one of those things. It's like, if you watched it the other night, it really was touching how the whole thing came together. And I can't wait to get her perspective as the host for SiriusXM and see what she has to say. Now, speaking of what's going on here in the golf world, it it was a challenging day here in Ponte Vedra Beach. PGA Tour headquarters, it's right here next door. TBC Sawgrass, the stadium course. This is the place. This is the Augusta National of the PGA Tour. We see it every year. The stadium course, Pete Dye's masterpiece, the 17th Island Green, all sorts of crazy bunkers all over the place, reachable par fives. You could score, but there's tragedy waiting around every corner. You know, this is one of those unique places. And I was doing a ton of research for Read the Line, and there were some cool things that came up. And I wrote about them, of course, because I love sharing these types of things. Every week, you know, it's trying to figure out a puzzle. And I I love trying to do that. And when you do, you come across all these very unique pieces that kind of fit together in a very interesting way. And one of them this week was that one of the reasons that the results or the history of each player at the Players' Championship is so... I mean, like, look look at Rory for just an example. Miscut last year. Two years ago, well, three years ago, he won because we have COVID in there. And then he was miscut the year before. So his last three starts, miscut, win, miscut. Come on. So how does that happen? Well, in this PGA professional's opinion, that happens because if you take the average birdie rate for all 18 holes, that number breaks down to be 19.5%. So 19.5%. That's the average birdie rate. Some of them are much higher. The par fives, like 40%. Some are low, around 8%. But if you take the average, it's 19.5%. But do you know what the bogey or worse percentage is? Well, it's it's right around the same thing. It's 19.9% for the 18 holes as an average. And that's the volatility you get. And when you look at Harold Varner, just him today, he was leading the tournament at 7-under. He came up to 17, and he put it in the water. He loses a couple of shots. And believe it or not, for the whole day, I mean, the first round isn't complete, but for the whole day, he was the only guy that put it in the water. How about that? Unbelievable. Just unbelievable stuff. But this, you know what else is unbelievable is this leaderboard right now. We've got Tommy Fleetwood. He woke up. He finished. He was in the AM wave. He finished. He shot six under. He's tied with Tom Hoagie, who won back at Pebble Beach just a couple of weeks ago. We have Kramer Hickok, Joaquin Neiman, who won at Riviera. I mean, the guys that are hot are continuing to play well. It's interesting how this all will play out. I mean, I I was walking this, this evening with Colin Morikawa, JT, and Rory. They didn't tee off till four minutes before six. So how all this is going to come together is going to be very interesting. We expect more rain tomorrow. There was tons of delays today. Good luck to the PGA Tour and their team for putting all of this together. As we're all talking right now, we certainly want to give a quick leaderboard update for what's going on over in Thailand. You know, the, the ladies are playing in their Honda LPGA Thailand. It's the second of two stops over there in Southeast Asia. And there's nine ladies 
at the time that we're talking, all at nine under, that that are tied for first place midway through the second round. And some of the names that we have there are Nasa Hataoka, Lizette Salas, Allison Lee, Zhu Lin. I mean, it, it's, I mean, there's nine. There's nine ladies there, folks. So w- you're going to have to tune in to LPGA.com. Go check the leaderboard there. I can't keep up with all of it. I, I can't keep up with everything today. I mean, it's been such a crazy day. We're in and out of the media center all day long. It was pouring rain. The guys are on and off the golf course. I mean, it was almost like it was like running a member guest today when they came out for the restart. I don't know that there's ever been a time I've been to a PGA Tour event where about 75 pros we're all fighting for space on the range, like coming out of a range. It was it was a crazy scene. I mean, you have all these world-class players there, and they were hitting the ball on top of one another. It was quite a sight to be seen. I love looking at that stuff because it's like, how does that all come together? But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, well, they get it done. They get back out there. It just uh, really, really a unique experience this week. And to be able to come down here and cover the Players' Championship for Read the Line, for PGA.com, for the pro show here, and to share all of my experiences with all of you has been a lot of fun. Connecting with some old friends that I haven't seen in a while because, you know, with COVID and everything, people have kind of been um, sequestered to their corners. But everybody's back out and they're having a great time. And I tell you, this golf course is going to get picked apart this weekend. I, I think, I mean, I know it's visually intimidating and everything, and you look at the Harold Varner story today, but at the end of the day, when it comes right down to it, I really think that the soft conditions, as good as these players are, you have the best players in the world. You have the top 46 of the top 50 players in the world. You know, the strength of field is off the charts. The strength of field for this tournament is greater than that of any tournament in 2021. That's how strong the field is. And I tell you, I, I can't wait to see it all play out. You know I'm loving Colin this week. I walked with his coach today. We watched Colin play two holes and a tee shot on three, and then it got dark. And he says he's in a great spot. Love Rick Sessinghouse. Just a just a phenomenal, phenomenal coach. Not only for Colin's swing, but also his mental coach, which I think is one of those things that gets vastly underlooked and is completely underrated in the modern game of what that has done for his game. And maybe that's a lot why he's won two majors and seven tries. But let's see if he can get the fifth major on his resume this weekend when things all work themselves out as we get done and as we see this whole thing play out. Saw number one in the world, John Rahm, play this morning. He shot three under 69. He was strong. You know, the leaderboard is, it's littered with some some great stories and some great players, that's for sure. In the morning wave, the guys that got done, the notables, like I said, John Rahm at 69. You have Victor Hovland. He shot one under. Uh, Patrick Cantlay was even. In the afternoon, you had all, I mean, it was just loaded. It was just all-star cast. You had Rory, JT, Brooks, DJ, and they all just got started. Two, three holes under their belt. There's so much going on. The weather has been really, really interesting, and it's only going to get more interesting if you can believe that because really a weather delay isn't all that much fun. But when you start to think about what's going what's gonna to transpire this weekend when the rain moves out on Saturday and a cold front's going to slide in, the temperature's going to drop like 30 degrees, the low on Saturday night is like 37, 38 degrees down here in Ponte Vedra Beach, which is, you know, northern Florida, but still, I mean, it's March. And then Sunday, the high is 51 degrees and windy. So 30 mile an hour winds on Saturday. Good luck, everybody. And then Sunday, uh, it's going to be a crispy finish. Crispy cold, that is, to finish to this tournament. You know what? Let's get to Chantel. Let's get into a break real quick. 
I'm down here in Ponte Vedra Beach. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Be back in a moment with SiriusXM superstar Chantel McCabe. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chop top, he says I'm going to win big. Choose not to life of a... Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahente. All NFL players get paid a lot. You're Keep, not going to get paid more than me, though, because I'm the guy when Keep, it comes Keep, to clearing it out. Y'all take care of Spoken business. like a true wide receiver. Way to go, Roscoe <laughs> well, Jenkins, team Mar, of me. Mar, his name is first on the show, so we get it. You know, we get it. Me, Sean, as they like to call me, for those that don't know me. But anyway. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Weekday mornings at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio or streaming live on the ESPN app. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming led by PGA professionals. So individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. An exciting new development is coming soon as the Inspiration Golf Range on the campus of the Lions VA Medical Center in Somerset County will serve as a new golf training facility for Special Olympics New Jersey, as well as the new home site for the PGA Hope, a rehabilitative golf program for veterans. To support the New Jersey Golf Foundation or learn more about programs and special events, please visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. That's NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or 732-465-1212. Time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show and great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You're listening to ESPN 920. She's one of the sensational voices on SiriusXM PGA Tour Network. Chantel McCabe not only reports stories, but she tells them. Her perspective on all things golf is not only valuable, it's pretty fun and engaging. And with a week full of golf news, let's cover the cliff notes with her. Yeah, you can be the greatest, you can be the best. All right, folks, I'm excited this afternoon. I've got SiriusXM PGA Tour Network's Chantel McKay with me, and we are going to talk the players. I mean, it has been one heck of a week, Chantel, and I know last night you were the host on SiriusXM for the Hall of Fame inductions, and you're also a daughter. So, I mean, everyone's been blown away by Sam Woods. What's your first impression of Sam Woods introducing Tiger? I mean, Tiger in the Hall of Fame makes all the sense in the world. It probably should have happened like after the first year or two, but to have his 14 year old daughter in, you know, introduce him was just amazing. Well, what was your impression of that? Yeah, well, I think more than a daughter, but it was just envisioning the eyes of a 14 year old and what she said about her father um, from the family's perspective of not knowing if he was going to come home with two legs after that tragic accident. Um, chilling accident, uh, which was just over a year ago. And the fact that he's not just walking on two legs, but he's on his way to back to competitive golf. Um, we never really thought about that. Everyone was too busy worrying about when we would see Tiger play again. If he would win again, is Augusta national, the target date we'll see him. And, um, I think it just really humanized. Um, and I said it on Twitter, we took this impossible resume of a person and we were reminded of how human he was. And that was a perfect example of it is, uh, hearing from Sam. We've never heard from Sam. We've, we've seen Charlie. He doesn't do the interviews post round at the PNC championship. We've now gotten to see him twice. So, so 
so much swag that drips off of him. Uh, the game, just like his dad, the swing and a lot of similarities there. But we don't really know a lot about Sam. So this was a moment that um, you asked me as a daughter. Um, you know, I'm very close with my dad. Uh, he is the first person I played golf with. Granted, our version of playing golf was having a cigar and having an adult beverage and uh, no expectations. And I was making contact, which was the best part of all. And now uh, the precedent has changed as standards have changed. But um, more than anything, uh, it took this superhero and made him human and see it through the eyes of uh, somebody who knows him a lot better than any of us. Um, you know, some of the little stories that she told about when they got stung by stingrays um, and that she had already given him the best dad award. And now she got to give him uh, the hall of fame honors was uh, a pretty more than special. We keep saying special, um, a sentimental moment. And of course, as part of the speech too, for Tiger, the fact that he basically brought us through his childhood um, up through Stanford uh, and never once touched any major championship. Uh, that was a significant um, and deliberate way to handle uh, how he wants to be seen going forward and uh, what lasting legacy uh, he wants to have on the world. There's a couple of cool things you touched upon there. So the first thing I want to unpack was Sam really opened up. I mean, she started talking about her dad and Comic-Con and dressed Comic -Con. Bat and Batman, right? Yes. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, you know, we can only imagine you and I, what it's like to grow up in the woods household, you know, always being under constant scrutiny, even when you're just going to school or soccer games or whatever, her composure, you know, I, I'm a girl dad, you know, I have a 12 year old daughter her names, Abby. I love her to death, but I mean, I just couldn't even imagine her standing up in front of that whole room in front of all of them. I mean, everyone was watching that as Tiger Woods getting introduced. I mean, I, he was just, and he walked up there. I mean, I, I was almost in tears watching it last night, just thinking about my own daughter introducing me someday for doing something halfway decent, let alone what he did. Uh, it's just, just an amazing, amazing moment. But the Batman cop, I mean, did you think Tiger was that much of a nerd? Okay, well, we knew all about the Call of Duty and video games. He's mentioned that before. But going down the Marvel and superhero uh, rabbit hole with Comic-Con, we are on a whole different playing field than we once thought. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I worked at Iowa from 98 to 03, and I got to know a little bit more of his nerdy side. But, you know, he, in many ways, he always kept to himself. But it doesn't surprise me that he had a Batman costume. And, you know, you also touched upon this. It was really interesting what he chose. You know, he's got 15 minutes to talk. Well, I mean, he could, he could talk forever and everyone would listen. But he had about 15, 10, 15 minutes to talk and accept, you know, becoming part of the Hall of Fame, his acceptance speech. And for him to just go through all of those childhood memories, which we really know nothing about, um, did that surprise you? Did did you like that? I mean, what, what was your reaction to all of that? Well, I think that we're going to see documentaries down the road where he'll detail major championships and give us a glimpse into things. I do think, uh, and maybe this is the money mind in me, that he's going to capitalize off of uh, being able to share some of the stuff that a lot of us are craving to hear about. But the Hall of Fame, there's only one of them. And uh, I do think that it was deliberate. I think that uh, we've seen him as a family man. I mean, the fact that he came back to play the PNC championship with Charlie 
It's not like Tiger Woods was desperate to go out and play that. That was something he wanted to make sure he created those memories with his son. I don't care what happened in his past. I mean, I do, but uh, what are we going to hold grudges forever in this cancel culture world? Um, it's to me, Tiger is focused on being a dad and we've seen that in a lot of ways. Uh, there were a lot of people that could have had the honor of formally introducing him into the World's Golf Hall of Fame. And it was a decision that Sam uh, did it. And uh, just to take that a step further, Sam mentioned that it was Coltita, uh, Charlie, Tiger, and Erica, his girlfriend. And I got to give credit where it's due. Every time I've seen Erica and Sam interact as they follow uh, Tiger around, they certainly have a special bond too. I got to spend some time with them at this last PNC championship. And I do think that she's been an amazing, we'll call her a stepmom for lack of better term, but has been an important part of that family. I mean, can you imagine? I was talking with Erica and not to get into too much personal things that her and I were discussing, because I do think that things need to be kept private, but for her to absorb uh, the family that way and take care of the two kids, not knowing what the future would bring. I mean, that's immense pressure on anyone. And, uh, you know, we think of the moms of the world, uh, whether they're your own kids or you're the caretaker. Uh, I think that Erica has a lot to do with uh, how great Sam is and not to say that Elin is not a fabulous mom. We don't get to see her as much. So I, I can't speak to that, but I got to give Erica some credit because certainly I think that her love, her care, and by the way, she's a UCF grad right here in Central Florida where I'm at. So I know a lot of uh, mutual friends and I can certainly see that she has an impact on that family too. Well, you know, I love how you touched upon the marketability of Tiger these days. You know, he they bring up Batman and Comic-Con and the number one movie in America is Batman right now. You know, I mean, timing is everything in all of this. Now, speaking love of dropping in the pop culture stuff, I'm just saying, think about all the things that Tom Brady's capitalizing of taking us through what it, it, the new series is like the man behind the whatever. And you don't really learn anything. They just take you through like kind of what happened each quarter of the game. And he gives like a non-revealing comment, but yet people are paying for a subscription for that. It's, uh, it's quite amazing what people will pay for to hear from the goat of any respective sport. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of things to touch upon this week and we're going to get into more of them. Jay's reaction his press conference the other day, but um, a lot of what surrounds all that's going on in golf right now, there were two basically icons of this age group. There's Phil and Tiger. And it's interesting how Tiger in his Hall of Fame, his daughter, um, the family man, the husband, the dad, the, you know, all of these things that he's now being portrayed as. And then the dumpster fire that is Phil on the other side. Um, I, I think you're right. I think I think both would be a very interesting story and in how they kind of the web that they weave, because um, there have been times where Tigers had some lows too, and Phil's had some highs. So it's very interesting how this whole thing plays out. But speaking of it all playing out, and folks, if you're wondering who we're talking to, we have Chantel McCabe on this afternoon. She is the host of All Square on SiriusXM PGA Tour Network, and she's gonna she's gonna reveal to us today her best oh. guess, her best guess on when Tiger's gonna come back. Talking about the timing of Tiger, what do you think? Well, I. I really, I know that I'm supposed to be, you know, giving hot takes. Uh, that's part of what our job is. Give hot takes when appropriate, I should say. Um, people seem to think, reading between the lines of what Tiger said at um, Riviera, that there's potential that he could play at Augusta National. 
I, I do not want to put expectations anywhere. I, I want to be pleasantly surprised if he comes back earlier, but my, I'm envisioning that the open this year, the open championship is a flat walk. And I think we need to be realistic. There's as the saying goes, there's never been somebody who came back too late. So I just want to err on the side of caution and people can have as many hot takes as they want and uh, put the pressure on him. He's already come back from incredible uh, feats and not to downplay um, the hype behind getting him back out there, but this injury was totally different than the others. The other injuries and surgeries were planned. This was trauma and I don't care what other injuries he had. This is certainly a different stratosphere we're on. So as somebody revealed, by the way, that this is the first time we've seen that leg uh, as he was walking into PGA Tour headquarters uh, with shorts on. It was the first time we've actually seen what that leg looks like, which I hadn't really thought about before because he wore pants in December uh, at the PNC Championship. And uh, in the swing videos that he posted, you either couldn't see his leg because the golf cart was in front or um, he had that, uh, I guess it was bandaged on. Yeah, yeah. like a stocking, so, on, you know, yeah. Yeah. So isn't that kind of funny to think about? Like, oh, my God, it's the first time we're seeing the leg. <laughs> well, you know, it, it was interesting how he rolled up. It was like, oh, I picked the kids up at, you know, at basketball practice or, or the soccer that. field. Yeah. Blown. Yep. And, you know, he had uh, shorts and a T-shirt on. And, of course, you know, it's the Hall of Fame induction. So, you know, he's putting a shirt and tie on at some point. But uh, it was kind of interesting, interesting the way he rolled up there. I, I thought it was kind of cool. I think the whole thing. Um, in general, the Hall of Fame ceremony was really well done. I think the PGA Tour does a nice job with that, um, tying it in with their Super Bowl, which is the Players Championship. And I tell you, it, it has been, you know, you know, I'm down here in Ponte Vedra and it has been crazy. You know, there has just been so much excitement. They're back to full crowds and everything. And when we started with the press conferences on Tuesday, the guy that was really on the hot seat was Jay Monahan. And I tell you, I'm always impressed by Jay. And he handled himself. You know, there's the elephant in the room. He walked right in and he started talking about it. What, what was your reaction to what Jay had to say? His, you know, like his stance so far has been so solid. Um, I'm just really impressed by him. What do you think? I mean, you you were at the Golf Channel there for a long time. You got to interact and see him in a lot, not just this press conference, but a lot of them. What's been your experience with, with Jay Monahan? Yeah, I mean, I think that what came out of what was the elephant in the room, um, and I'll say it, it might be controversial, but uh, in a way, I think that Phil kind of took one for the team because there were ultimately other players that were very interested in this concept. Phil said, I would say more than the quiet part out loud, said some damaging um, and irre irreversible comments um, and it's just like any of us. If we say something bad about our employer, that's not going to bode well. Um, and if you're an independent contractor or not, in the case of PGA Tour players, like you could consider the PGA Tour their place of employment, which <laughs> I think is a fair analogy. Um, so having said that, it, it, it had to force change, right? Because that's where the PIP um, players impact performance was birthed from. That's where the idea of um, this fall series and switching up some tournaments, which ultimately in that press conference, Jay Mahan said it, it just didn't make sense. Like we've got too many other things going on. We've got the Zurich classic. It's kind of been there, done that. 
What's also kind of funny is even though it's not a PGA Tour official event, uh, Shark Shootout, QB Shootout, that used to be part of the PGA Tour affiliation. And that was a team event. And we ain't saying crap about that anymore. Uh, Greg Norman, of course, is my reference there because the Shark yeah. Shootout, which is now the QBE Shootout, uh, was run and maintained and a beneficiary of Greg Norman. So it is interesting. A lot of people say, and I know I'm taking this a few directions, but since we're talking about the elephant in the room and that's what everyone was anxious for the first time to hear Jay Monahan answer, we've got to kind of give it some substance behind it. Um, the people say, oh, is, is Phil going to come back? And, you know, is he suspended? Is he this? Is he that? Will he ever recover? Will, will, yeah, will I ever financially recover from this? Um, Greg Norman tried the same concept several decades ago and ended up having a PGA Tour sanctioned event down the road. So time tends to heal a lot of things and you can't take away Phil's legacy. Um I don't know if he's suspended. Who the heck knows? It's a little bizarre that he hasn't played. It was a little bizarre, uh, the phrasing, the careful phrasing that Jay Monahan used when he was deliberately asked, hey, uh, so what's the deal with Phil? Why haven't we seen him play? Have you had a conversation with him? And he put the ball back in Phil's court saying, hey, um, you know, he can reach out to me. He has my phone number. Um, but overall, I think that we push change. Uh, a lot of players... If you listen to what a good chunk of the players who claim their allegiance to the PGA Tour said, they didn't say, I'm not going to go play in Saudi because I don't agree with what's going on. They instead say, I wanted to play with the best players in the world. So I, I don't think a lot of people have talked about that. And I, I wonder why. I, I do also feel very strongly that the media as a whole is cherry picking their rage and where they want to place it because there are so many layers to this puzzle. Ironically, uh, a lot of people have come out in defense of Phil, like, Hey, he didn't, his comments were awful, but uh, the way this domino effect has gone down is really uh, worse than we thought it was going to be. Um, does he deserve a lot of it? Yes. But it, it's gotten to the point that it's really extreme. My question and my question remains is the timing of the comments that were released. Uh, I've realized that the person who released the comments in uh, February that were said in November, this person was is writing a book and there's different uh, layers of the agreement in terms of what you can say ahead of time. But I still have question marks about that. Ultimately, back to your question, Jay Monahan handled it in the best possible way he could and even guaranteed that the future of the PGA Tour in the next 10 years is going to be more explosive than it ever has before. This is a huge win for the PGA Tour and the people who claimed their allegiance to what all of us are talking about right now this week, the best tour in the world and uh, the center stage of the Players' Championship. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the whole Phil thing, you know, people tend to gang up on people from time to time, you know, when they're kind of heading in a downward spiral, you know, the media or just, you know, uh, popular consent, you know, will kind of give people a tough time. And, and sometimes, yeah, I, sometimes I feel like I feel like even listening to Jay the other day, it's like, hey, you know what? When he's ready, he can call me, mm -hmm. which to me was like, all right, everyone, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see what's happening. I, I'm really interested to see how you know, Phil goes through re-entry here. You know, he's already gone through the afterburn, right? Now he's back in the atmosphere and it's like, okay, how much is he going to float up there? Will he do something like Augusta where it'll be by Augusta's rules? 
and he can kind of be protected and maybe he doesn't have a press conference and it's not a circus or whatever, because at some point when he does come back, it's going to be a circus. Right. And I'm with you with the whole Alan Shipnuck releasing what happened in November in February. You know, there's a lot there's a lot of layers to this onion. I mean, it's all very interesting. It is all very, very interesting. And folks, you know what else is interesting is the fact that we have Chantel McCabe this afternoon. And we are just trying to break down all the week that is for the Players' Championship. But I have to take a quick break. Chantel, hold on for one second, and I'll be back in a moment, okay? Mm-hmm. Of course, up next more with SiriusXM's Chantel McCabe. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. And the world's gonna know your name. Mike Greenberg is Greeny. Chris Paul is one of those guys whose numbers, if you look at them, are so good that they almost seem made up. But, you know, he was never on the best team all those years in New Orleans, wasn't able to go to the Lakers, winds up on the Clippers. Then they fell short. But now here he is, the veteran presence on this otherwise very young Phoenix team. It would mean everything to his legacy. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and watch exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Is there a better feeling than winning a bet? Take it from a professional, a PGA professional like Keith Stewart. When it comes to wagering on golf, you need to know more than analytics. Stats are just a description of a player's habits. But what causes those habits to repeat? There are other elements you need to consider to raise your betting acumen. If you're the type of person who loves to learn and earn by wagering, then you must read the line. With an easy-to-understand newsletter format, in five minutes a week, you can bet with confidence, knowing the picks are made by a golf professional. Golf betting lacks an expert voice. Read the Line brings over 25 years of experience in the golf industry to every prediction. Players are not an exact science, and neither is betting. But when you consider the human element of the game alongside facts and figures, you'll be able to elevate your winning reputation. Go to ReadTheLine.com to subscribe, read, and win. That's ReadTheLine.com. You got a great voice it's for radio. Yeah. Time to get back on course. Face for radio. I, I get a lot of that, too. As the pro show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. It's the Pro Show, and I'm Keith Stewart. Welcome back to our conversation with Chantel McCabe. You know you're listening to New Jersey's ESPN 920. Well, the only thing missing from the Players' Championship this week is Jim Cantori. As we wait for the first round to be completed, let's hope we don't have to be here for a Monday finish. So, yes, no rain would be nice. Let's get back into this. Now, you spent the entire last year covering the LPGA. Yeah, the LPGA show on Sirius XM PGA Tour Network. And I just got to jump in. You know, we're talking about all this on Thursday night. So there's only so much of, you know, TPC round one. They didn't even finish the first round. And, and I got a couple of reactionary things I want to talk to you about in a second. But Jin Young Ko, unbelievable. Now, you followed her for a year. I just have to know, I mean, can we give her enough credit for how good she is? I mean, she hasn't shot over par since July and she's got two streaks of rounds in the sixties, one that was 14 rounds long. And then she just set the record with 15 rounds long. She just won last weekend down in Singapore. I know you can put it in perspective. I have a lot of fans listen to the show that are LPGA diehards and everything, right? Give me a couple words on Jin Young Ko because I think between her and Nelly going head to head and their first major coming up in a couple of weeks, there's a lot of storylines coming down the chute here. And I'm interested in what you think about. 
Yeah. I, first of all, the way that she finished out last season at the CME Group Tour Championship, Player of the Year and the biggest purse um, of the year was on the line. And the fact that she did it with an injured wrist didn't take any practice swings, any warm up swings before the final round and just went out and did her thing. Uh, and that was part of that greens and regulation streak. I mean, you would think that at least once the wind would gust that was in Florida. Um, in November, I was on site. There was gusts of winds in that final round. I mean, it is robotic is the word that comes to mind, but I think even you got to find a different word for it because inevitably we play this sport outside at different venues. There are strengths and weaknesses in terms of greens, in terms of uh, just how you're feeling that week, the travel. Uh, there's a lot of factors that you just don't see in other sports. So to have the consistency like that in golf, uh, it, it just, there's a reason why records like that are hard to attain and hard to touch. Uh, so that happened back in November. And the first time we see her this season, she goes out and wins again. And so her winning percentage is around 25%. I mean, it's lights out. If you look at the last year and a half, uh, there's a reason why she's the number one player in the world. But look at John Rahm on the PGA Tour. He's in one in like nine months or something. Uh, this girl, uh, almost one out of five times that she plays, she wins. Uh, it, it's stupid to think about. If it were happening on the PGA Tour, uh, ESPN Radio, ESPN, Fox Sports, they would be obsessively talking about this because they they couldn't not. And so the fact that she's not getting the proper credit. And by the way, English is not her first language. I, I wish that a, a more players were more comfortable with the language, but the fact that she even considers giving press conferences when it's not her first language is extremely impressive. I give her all the credit in the world. Uh, she's not playing this week and <laughs> I got to give her credit for the fact that her selective schedule, she has said over and over again, she needs time with her family. Like that is ultimate for her. And during the first couple of weeks of play before the break, uh, before this Asian swing on the LPGA tour, she took her family to California. And so everything around her is, her schedule is like, I have my family time and then I'll break for the LPGA start. It's it's kind of funny that that is, is sort of how she puts her life together. And you want to talk about prioritizing. I'd love to pick her brain about that because uh, I don't think many players certainly think in terms of the way that she does when they decide when, where, and how much they'll play. I mean, she's got to be the queen of work-life balance. You know, at the end, of, I mean, right? I mean, seriously, I mean, loyalty you know, right there. I, she's almost like you remember back in the day. Tiger would play like fifteen. He would cherry pick his events. He'd play like fifteen events a year, and he'd win like five of them, right? And yeah, even at, even things. Tiger at the height of his supremacy, he he his his rounds or his his tournaments were always a roller coaster. It was like, oh, you know, he made the cut with a charge on Friday, and then he goes 62, 63 on a weekend, and he wins by five or something like that. I mean, she'll hit seventy greens in a row. She'll have. 15 rounds in a row in, in the sixties. I mean, her level of consistency, I mean, it just blows me away. I mean, yeah, by the way, this most recent win, uh, she was behind and she just played lights out on the back nine. I think it was five of six birdies um, on the back nine. And so the fact that she can find a, a way to win, no matter what position she's in, I mean, that says something about internally what's going on in, in her world versus uh, the rest of us, especially golfers that you know, can tend to get thrown off track pretty easy. So funny story about that. 
the final round is, uh, you know, Saturday night into Sunday morning. And I have Jin Young Ko and I, Brooke Henderson, and, and I'm handicapping them to win. And I'm, and I'm following this and I'm really into this. Right. So I wrote about them in my newsletter, read the line and I'm, and I'm all psyched up for this. So she's losing with like seven holes to go. She's a couple strokes back and I fall asleep because it's in the middle of the night. Right. I'm just laying there in bed, watching on my iPad and I, and I fall asleep. And then I wake up and I find out she birdies five of the last six and she ends up winning by two. And I am like, this is like a dream. I was like, this, this player is, this is like a dream. I mean, I, she's, she's, she's unreal. And I'm glad I could get you take on it. And one of the other things I wanted to mention is that everybody's making the biggest deal in the world about how the top five men in the world are all under 30 for the next week. Right. Has anybody looked at the Rolex Women's World Rankings, right? Because I, I think it was either Justin Ray or one of the guys in the 21st group. He put that out there. And I said, man, that is, that's is—that's that's some pretty savvy reporting there. I said, but um, the last time I checked, Danielle Kang is 29 and everybody else is like way beneath her. 20, like Jin Young Ko's 26, Nelly's 24. So, you know, I, I think that golf's in a pretty good place, Chantel, when it comes right down to it. Because if you have essentially the top 10 male and female players in the world are all under the age of 30. I think we're having some fun. And, you know, Jin Young Ko wins six of her last 10 tournaments. She's number one in the world. And John Rahm can't seem to break through. And I saw, you know, I, I walked with John Rahm today and I watched him play. And I don't know if his fans are more frustrated or if John Rahm is more frustrated with himself. You know, I mean, he just, he can't get out of his own way. And when you watch John Rahm play, what do you what do you see that's going on? Because, I mean, you've covered golf on site as a reporter and you have a very trained eye for this sort of thing. Like, what are you seeing about John that he's not getting the job done? I mean, he's getting top tens. I know his last couple starts weren't awesome, but but, you know, I mean, he always makes the cut, you know. But like, what are you seeing that we could share with the fans that, you know, that love John Rahm and be like, hey, you know, like, where does he need to turn it on? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just one of those things that there's, when you look at it, you followed him. I'm sure you can attest to the fact there's nothing drastically off. Uh, You think back to Hawaii. I mean, he just got beat Uh, and Cameron just went lights out and he can't compete sometimes. And the people around you might be the best player in the world as an overall, but uh, as we just talked about the state of the game, I mean, people are just knocking every single week. So I don't think there's one thing I could certainly myself pick out about John Rahm, but I'll talk about somebody who's on the rise. And I think again, is not getting the proper attention. And I got to follow him at Bay Hill a couple of days in a row. Uh, Tom Hoagie uh, ended up having uh, not not the best finish that he's had, um, but Tom Hoagie, once again, a 66, the lowest round he shot at the Players' Championship for an opening round. And yes, it was very soft. And yes, people can gripe about the start and stop. Uh, but if it might be, if it's a gettable course, you still have to actually get it. Um, so it's great to see Tommy Fleetwood, hopefully and you want to talk about a guy who, what is the scenario with uh, Tommy Fleetwood? When is this guy going to finish this thing? Uh, but for Tom Hoagie, who just recently won on the PGA tour, uh, for the first time at the AT&T Pebble beach pro-am, uh, I was talking with him last week and he had this putter that was much discussed and it was this really bizarre two ball putter. He likes to have the plumber's neck and it's, it, 
totally hybrid uh, and it had to be made custom, uh, this Odyssey putter. And so there was a lot of tricking up in this thing. And then there was too much weight on the back. So they took that off, went in the bag right before Pebble Beach. He wins with this thing, plays with it the next week. And it's out of the bag. I mean, it was, it lasted three weeks total. And then last week I'm like, Hey, let me see this putter that I already was talking about. And he takes it out of the bag. He's like, I already changed it. And so his poor caddy Henry's like, yeah, can you believe this guy? I went through like two weeks of trying to get this thing perfect for him. He wins with it. And then he won't play with it anymore. I'm like, what is the deal, man? So uh, the putter uh, got the old one back in the bag for this week once again. Um, But I will say, you know, we always talk about ball strikers, especially at uh, these Florida courses. Um, and what it, how crazy is it? We had relatively great weather all the way through, and then Players Championship hit week hits the marquee event on the PGA Tour, and we are being flooded. I can attest to it. I'm here in Orlando until I go up to Ponte Vedra, and by the way, I'm not up there yet because this weather is just not anything I'm willing to do. Kudos to you for being a champ. But uh, back to the ball striking thing, especially at these Florida courses, we're going to see it once again next week if we ever get to the Valspar Championship. Uh, Tom Hoagie has always been, his entire career, around the 50% 50 or higher and our 50th in the strokes gain approach. So this season, he's fifth. And there's a reason why uh, we've not only seen him win, but he is playing really well on the courses that you can capitalize off of your iron game. Well, let's talk about the weather for a second. You and I need to have a sidebar one day, either a text string or something about what to do during a a five-hour rain delay today. I mean, you saw all sorts of things. Thankfully, in the media center, um, it's championship week. So we got to watch a little basketball, but I mean, it was, it was unbelievable because it just went on forever and ever. And there's so many jokes on Twitter and everything because the PGA tour communications comes out and they say next announcement at 11, next announcement at 1130 and 1130. It was like, well, here, now they're going to say it's 12 because we're all sitting there and it's just pouring outside. And, you know, there's only so many people that could fit in the cafeteria. It's, it, it was, it was a test today. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the clubhouse is a lot bigger than the building we were in. There's no doubt about that. But I want to I want to talk about the Florida swing for a second because it's interesting the identity, right? I I lived and worked in Florida, and at that time, the events that took place um, they weren't always set up to be these like super tests. Right now, they're going to go through four weeks of four of really the toughest golf courses they might play all year. Certainly, the four toughest in a row. It's unbelievable, right? And you know why do you think? that all of a sudden the PGA tour is trying to like change the identity of what's going on down here in Florida, because Valspar is easily as hard as Honda. And although Bay Hill is not the the most difficult golf course, I played that a lot of times, they set it up to be really hard. And this week we'll play easier because it's, it's a dartboard with the rain, but, but Valspar, I mean, next week is going to be super hard. The Florida thing is, is, is really kind of interesting to me. What's your take on that? I have no idea why it changed, but I can tell you what I've observed. And of course, uh, players were very vocal, did not hold back um, last week after Bay Hill in terms of uh, what that course was doing. Um, The drastic change, even Scotty Scheffler getting his second win. he admitted that he didn't expect the greens to be that 
uh, unreceptive uh, from one day to the next. And, you know, we can talk about lush rough, but uh, we saw good shots and there's no argument about it, not get rewarded, especially coming down the stretch 17. What a diabolical hole. I mean, literally that is where history was either made or robbed um, in the case of Gary Woodland and uh, Victor Hovland. And uh, well, Victor, you know, just really needs to work on his wedge game. It, it's like hard. What is I guess this could be, depending on the week, a, a fascinating dive. What is worse, watching Victor Hovland with plenty of green to work from and overshoot a pitch and it roll off the green or watching Will Zalatoris over a three-footer? I mean, both of them are very, very nerve-wracking. <laughs> so um, a, a quick aside. So it was, they were getting ready. The guys were getting ready this afternoon for the restart and Zalatoris had, he played in the morning wave and he was hitting some practice putts, getting ready. And I watched him do a clock drill from three feet going around the hole. That's a signature. And I had to stop watching. Now, Scott Fawcett, his coach, he's been on the pro show. Great guy. um, Very, very smart, exceptional coach and everything. This, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I followed Hovland this morning. I watched some of his chipping and, and all that goes on there. It is it is kind of very interesting. I mean, Victor Hovland hit the ball better than Patrick Cantlay and John Rahm combined this morning. Yes. All right. I witnessed it with my own eyes. But if they were within 50 feet of the hole, like I could have jumped in and done a better job. You know, and it's like it's oh, un- it's unbelievable. It's 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 very odd how this game. Well, like, look at Harold Varner the third today, right? He was leading the tournament. He was seven under, and he's the only one, or he's the first one of the day to put the ball in the water on 17. And everybody was hitting the green. Like, everyone thinks, like, oh, with the wind and the rain, everyone's going to miss that green. Those guys love the rain. They they don't like it when it's hard, right? Then they can't hold the green. So it it was very interesting to watch all of that come together today. It's just, you know, there were guys... You know, I saw Colin and JT and Rory tee off at the end of the day. Their tee time was four minutes before six. You know, the sun was like almost below the trees. I was like, well, what are we going to do here, guys? We're going to we're going to play. We're going to play two holes. So they get to the third hole, the par three. This is a cool story real quick. I'm going to ask you a quick question on this one. So they go to tee off. Colin has the honor. He birdies number two, the par five. He gets up and I'm walking with his coach, Rick Sessinghouse. And I go, what do you think Colin wants to do here? He goes, he wants to putt tomorrow morning. He definitely wants to putt tomorrow morning, right? So he goes, he hits, and then Rory's up next, and Rory and JT are like, no, we're good. It's too dark. We're not hitting it, right? (laughs) So if you had your choice as a golfer, would you rather hit the shot and then putt in the morning, or would you rather just start the whole whole entire hole fresh in the morning? Well, I don't know. Ian Poulter with the pants was running like a madman to finish 18 in the dark. Um, and they cleaned up and literally putted in the dark. It was pretty crazy because, of course, they always say, well, the iris of the camera uh, shows more light than there really is. So anytime you're watching TV, try to like add a half hour of darkness to it, because that in reality is what people are looking at on site. Um but yeah, I, gosh, I guess it depends how I'm playing. Um, but I, I think I would just rather complete a hole. It, it's like a, a, a goal-oriented person or a checklist-oriented person. I would just need to complete it or else that's going to mess me up the next day. But I've never played professional golf. So my opinion probably does not count for very much. Uh, I'm with you. My sock drawer is in a row and I would, I would want 
to get as much done as I could get done. I would, you know, it was funny. Uh, they, they put the side by side with Poulter running back in 2011, doing almost the same thing to try to get in before darkness. And I know his playing partners, I think Pat Perez was one of them. He's like, man, I really appreciated that. I don't have to come tomorrow at six 30 in the morning. And then yeah. it, it's, it's pretty cool. So, Hey, you've been a trooper. You've been talking to me all night here on Thursday. We're covering what, basically what did happen today, which was a lot of rain and a lot of side stories and just a great week for golf. It's the Super Bowl for the PGA Tour, the Players' Championship. So before you go, I need your your analyst head here, right? I need your your yeah. prediction, right? I Who, who do you like? Who do you think is going to raise the trophy on Sunday? You saw a little play today, but not much, not enough to really say like there's an advantage either way. It's probably not going to be Tommy Fleetwood come Sunday. Chantel McCabe, who's picking up the trophy on Sunday? I have a strong sense that it's going to be an international player. I am picking Matthew Fitzpatrick once again. Uh, I picked him uh, for at least three of his last five starts, hoping that it will eventually pay off. I'm glad I'm not in a one and done pool or else I'd be screwed. Uh, But I was really hot on Billy Horschel winning in Florida. Um, so sentimentally, I, I would love to see Billy get the win in Florida. Of course, he's a Jacksonville area guy. Um, and it's interesting that not many of the guys who actually practice out of TPC Sawgrass actually win this thing. Uh, you would think the Lonto Griffins, the, uh, I mean, even Jim Furyk uh, came really close a couple years ago with Bory and the old guy versus uh, the stud. It was a really cool finish. But yeah, for all the talk of people who have experience on this golf course, it really doesn't go that far. Um, So I I would say that my sentimental pick would be Billy Horschel, who obviously came pretty darn close at API, but uh, my logical head is telling me Billy had a grind last week and mentally and physically. So maybe I'll shy away from him and I'll go with uh, Matt Fitzpatrick final answer. All right. Um, I I was thinking Cantlay. But I walked with Colin's coach today, and and I and I like Colin's chances too. He's in a really good headspace. He's doing well. So I'm gonna go Morikawa, and uh, you and I can figure that out in the uh, on Monday. You know. Okay. All, All right, right. We'll Chantel. I can't thank you enough for being on the pro show this evening with me and covering what is and what isn't about the Players Championship this okay. year. You're fantastic. Can't wait till the next time we catch up. Yes, we know it will be soon. Good to talk with you. Sooner rather than later, for sure. Can't wait. All right, thanks so much. Well, we're almost running out of time here on the Pro Show. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We'll be coming right back to wrap the show up. The Max Kellerman Show. You know, there was no one there like, hey, where's that guy we just hired? He just stopped showing up suddenly 15 years ago. So he got away with it, 650 Gs. And now he's being sued. I don't know. You can't just not show up for work, but... But if he's not like doing anything fraudulent and they're just sending him the checks, I mean, why wouldn't he just deposit it in his account? The Max Kellerman Show, weekdays at 2 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Watch exclusively on ESPN+. Join the thousands of golfers who already call Stick and Hack their home for the best golf stories, original podcasts, special events, member perks, and an active community of golfers across North America. Up until now, the golf media landscape lived somewhere between straight PGA coverage or idiots wrecking golf carts. We take a different approach by celebrating all sides of golf, 
life, and all the ways this amazing game connects sticks and hacks every day. Your free membership entitles you to discounts from major brands all over the country while connecting you with like-minded golfers for discussion, tips, or even a round of golf. So head to stickandhack.com and enjoy the world's greatest golf club without the course. Get ready for the back nine. As the Pro Show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the Pro Show on ESPN 920. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. And you know what? I think here's the question that Jay Monahan keeps asking himself. Long as I remember coming down. All kidding aside, I'll get that podcast up tonight. And you know, if you were in Jacksonville, you could stream the show too at 920ESPNNewJersey.com. You can find me at readtheline.com as well. And you know what, folks? And I wonder, still I wonder, who'll stop the rain? Now, before I sign off, for the rest of the weekend, and it's another week till we connect and I'm back up in the studio next Friday, being down here reminds me of the first time that I played this golf course. It was back in 1999, and it was the week after they played the Players' Championship we came up a little trip, the staff from Isleworth, and we went out and played. And that particular Players' Championship was a bit of a mess. I mean, the rough was long. The golf course played super, super hard. And David Duvall won after four rounds at three under par. So we had an invitation to come up. And we go, and we tee it up. And we take it ourselves around the golf course. And it was brutal. It's as hard as this place could be. I mean, three under for the best players in the world. And that's the winner? Well, anyway, it was one of those, you know, bucket list golf courses. So we got the, t- the chance to come up and we go, we play. And the front nine beats you up as much as the back nine. I think personally, my highlight for the day was I hit the green on 17. And it was my first time playing here. And you, you play the 16th hole and you come out of these trees. And then there's the big pond there. And even though you're playing the 16th hole, to your right is that 17th green. It just kind of stares at you a little bit. Even though you're looking forward at the 16th green, that, that green and that bulkhead and everything, it's just staring at you. It's just waiting for you. It, it, truthfully, it's been waiting for you the whole round. But at that point, I had already been beaten up pretty good. So we go, we play, I hit that green, and then we finish. We get done with all 18 holes. And this is in the old clubhouse there. And we go in and we go to the old golf shop and we find the director of golf and we all want to say thank you and everything and and he's super nice and and I'm hanging my head kind of low and he says to me he says hey pro he goes what's up with you and I said well I said the, the course kind of t- it it beat me up today it beat me up pretty bad he goes well how bad I saw I shot 81 today he goes well if it makes you feel any better this past Sunday Phil shot 82 well I'm not telling the story to pick on Phil And I'm just telling it because it's kind of great to be back. After 23 years, you know, life's pretty full circle sometimes, which I think is kind of neat. And I think this is a really neat place. I think it's some place that all golfers should visit. It really is in fantastic shape. And I can't wait to see the weekend play out. Whether or no weather, these are the best golfers in the world that are men. And they are going to give us some unbelievable drama. And I can't wait to see it all. And you know what? Come Monday on Reacts. Come PGA.com on Monday. We'll write about it. We'll react to it all. 
We'll be here next Friday with our next set of stories down in Tampa and all that's going on. And, well, it's just been a great week down here. I'm a little sentimental. Can't wait to go home as well. And I can't wait to thank my sponsors. That's TaylorMade Golf and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Of course, back at home putting all this together is my man, Wade Weezer. Thanks, Wade, for all that you do. And thanks, importantly, to all my listeners. Now, you know, before I go, you know what? One quick PSA. Time change this weekend, people. Don't forget, spring ahead. I know you lose an hour of sleep, but you're going to get a ton of great golf on Sunday afternoon here at the Players. So before I go, I'm going to leave you all with one brief thought about dealing with delays. The world spins quickly. If something slows you down, don't fight it. Rather, embrace the extra time and know it will all work out in the end. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. And this is The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the team next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.